The truth about goals, how to accomplish more in less time. Setting goals is essential to getting the most out of life. But what if you don't have time? In this video, Kristen Graham shares some science-backed tips on accomplishing more quickly and unlocking your full potential. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Wellness Driven Life Show. And as always, we're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome back again today for another incredible show with an incredible guest. Let me introduce. Kristen Graham is a nerd of the highest order. She has spent her life studying how to unlock results and behavior through science and structure. Her focus on human potential came when her oldest son was diagnosed on the autism spectrum in the mid-2000s. In 2015, Kristen took a year-long sabbatical to focus on developing workshops and keynotes on how to use our hardware and software to do more, better, and faster. She draws from her years in academia and corporate, combined with a relentless focus on research and studies to empower others to achieve their goals. When she's not being a total nerd, Kristen takes her rescue dog on walks around Seattle and tries to get her two teenage sons to look up from their phones. Please help me welcome Kristen Graham. Hi, Kristen. Hi, April. It's such a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show today. Thank you for being here. So excited. So excited for our conversation. Yeah, I, I know you and I have gotten together a little bit before, and I think we're, we're pretty good about talking a lot. We can be those Gabby girls, can't we? Yes, yes. Well, I would love to you to just kind of, for our audience sake, kind of introduce who you are. 
Well, you actually helped a lot by saying that I am a professional nerd. I, hold on. I'm a personal nerd who has then made it into her profession as well. So uh, and, and that's what's kind of thematic for me. I've always been a very curious person, always lived in the world of words, but I always thought that was a personality trait, not a, a professional path. So I was just as surprised on it. And when I was first coming out, I was going to be a journalist. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can get paid to ask people questions. Like, that's it. That's my career. Hmm. And But I also came out of journalism school right in time for 9-11. So as the whole world was changing, I accidentally segued into corporate and accidentally on purpose because I was looking <laughs> for a different career path. And that was such a, a wonderful journey for me to be able to be surrounded by employees and the corporate mm. culture and still be that curious, inquisitive, embedded reporter about it. And so I, I had a very long and fun, fun career, all the way from nonprofits to the top of the Fortune 50. And as you mentioned in the intro, I was so focused as a good Gen Xer on my own accomplishments and accolades along the way. And then life comes and gives me this beautiful baby boy. And within that whole understanding and education as a parent, mm -hmm. also come to learn that he's on the autism spectrum. So my whole years of learning how to do words so well and tell stories. And here I have this human who is uh, challenged, not just with words, but in changing the way I communicate. So I went from learning how to be this perfect, polished storyteller to really being an embedded listener and understanding impact of words on others and, and inclusivity and diversity at its very root so that I could communicate at home. I find that to be really interesting how things show up in our lives mm -hmm. that seemingly pair in one way or another, they're, they're here to teach us something. So you being involved in language from the get-go and, and having this love for it, and then having a son that was brought into the world that had challenges within it really gave you this totally different perspective on what that meant. And so I know, and I want to ask you a little bit about how, um, eventually maybe we'll table that for a second, but like, what made you change in that? But first, I want to go back to your story about Amazon and when you left, because really, initially, that is what drew me to you. I saw one of your LinkedIn posts. You had this really cool story of this humble beginning. And I would love for you to share that experience because you describe in such beautiful detail of that exact day of when you left Amazon. <laughs> yes. You know, I was, I was talking to a group of students last week and I said, inspirational journeys only appear that way on the retelling. Because <laughs> when you're in the moment, when you're in the grit, when uh, life is like just pushing, pushing down on you, you're not like, this is going to make a great story one day. And so, so I love that you bring that up because uh, there's the lead up to making big decisions in our life. And, and we've all had different crossroads or paths, either planned or unplanned, where we're like, I'm going to pivot. And one of, I love quotes, and one of them is leap and a net will appear. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we leap and we're like, 
where's that net? And so on that day, I had long made this decision and knew I wanted to leave. And, and I should also say, just for added fun, when I was leaving the largest employer in the world, I'm single mom, I have two teenagers, and it was a year into COVID. Mm. And every conventional wisdom, including all those people around me were like, um, but you have a good job. Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you leaving? The whole world's upside down. You keep seeing that trend in my life too. Um, and so I went and I was dropping off my equipment, the badge, the laptop, and I had just recently opened my business accounts, you know, all this entrepreneur journey. And it's one thing to get a paycheck. It's another thing to be like, I'm going to forego a paycheck and yeah. follow this yellow brick road. <laughs> and so I'm dropping it off and I'm really proud of myself because I just, I did it. And so I'd opened up my business banking account, like maybe the week before and I had $42 in it. And I was like getting ready to, you know, maybe hit three figures. <laughs> and I walk out to my car, April, and there was a parking ticket. And I pick it up and the parking ticket's $65. Mm-hmm. And I remember I I didn't burst into tears, but I wanted to, you know, how you just do inside and then you just won't give your, um, you won't give life the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, too prideful <laughs> or, or stubborn. I am a Taurus. Yeah. We'll that later. Oh my but, goodness. You're in good company. So am I. <laughs> I should've, should've known. But I was just like, okay, let's go. And it was, yeah, when they say humble beginnings, humble is usually code for you just scraped your knees on the gravel. And it felt that way for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know how, how did that experience change your perspective on things? It actually strengthened my perspective. It was kind of like that game on where you, you, you trip. <laughs> We've all had those days where like everything. And then you're just like, let's go. Let's go. It's a, and maybe it's because I'm the youngest and only girl in a military family. But there's almost something to when it starts getting really, really gritty and really challenging that it's just kind of like it, it, along with the years now of experience that sometimes the biggest spurts are on the other side of the speed bump. And so mm-hmm. when I'm really feeling the lumps, I'm tr- I'm like, that, that means you're in the road. You're no longer in the spectator seats. You're, yeah. you're in the road. You've got the gravel underfoot. And one way or the other, <laughs> bloody and bowed, you're going to get something out of it. And if nothing else, pride. Yeah. It's always safer to sit in the sidelines. So. Oh, uh, Yeah. I'll take the mud. I, I think that's why the the small percentage, uh, you know, really falls in line with that. Like you said, it's always safer to, how how did you say that? It's safer to- Safer on the sidelines. Stay on the sidelines. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier, and, and we were talking about my son and, and, and the brain, I started studying so much of uh, neuroscience, which then of course gets into psychology because neuroplasticity, all of it. And our brain- is actually wired to keep us safe. So whenever yeah. our brain is like, hey, don't don't take that risk, it's it's not a character deficit on your behalf. It is your you talked about hardware and software. That's our hardware. It's that a is our default like, for safety. A hundred percent. And so yeah. when you're feeling that resistance, don't get angry at yourself. Acknowledge and honor the fact that thank you, brain, for wanting to keep me safe. I packed yeah. an extra granola bar though. So let's go. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, that's cool. Thanks so much for sharing that story. Uh, we're going to go to our, our first quick commercial. And when we get back, I, I would love to know um, if you believe in the saying that you can't judge a book by its cover. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Hi, I'm April Hove, the Managing Director of the Fort Worth, Texas chapter of eWomen Network. I'm so excited that you stopped to watch this video. I've got good news for you. You have just discovered an international network of women entrepreneurs who are committed to helping you achieve, succeed, and prosper. We are on a mission to help 1 million women entrepreneurs each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. Here at eWomen Network, we have a complete success system that supports you every step of the way in building and growing your business. You being here right now is no accident. We're supposed to know about you. We want to meet you to find out how we can help you as well as learn about what you have to offer. With over 500,000 women connecting through 118 chapters across the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK, you are never alone. If this is resonating with you, please go to eWomenNetwork.com slash Fort Worth. Notice too, my contact information. I invite you to reach out to me and check out our upcoming in-person and online events. I am really looking forward to introducing you to our community. Welcome back. So tell me, do you believe in the saying you can't judge a book by its cover? Why or why not? That's interesting. I, I mean, I love good quotes. So I love that you're challenging a quote. Um, here's my this on that. I feel that there's a lot of judgment that comes because we're spending so much time putting up a cover. I'll never judge a book when you're willing to read the book. We spend mm. all this time in our Insta fabulous filtered trending hashtag life working on the cover, like cover, like at most it's a, it's a little Costco bite-sized sample. <laughs> Dig me into the book and then, and then judge the crap out of me if you want. But if it's just going to be on some filtered image, then actually that judgment is retrofitted. So so I, I try my best at still being a human being to say, let me let me dig into a few of your chapters um, because the cover the cover is intentionally surfaced. So, ah, oh, 
Kristen, that is super brilliant. And you definitely have me hooked on your play on words and that you have seasoned yourself in this, this realm. Uh, that is really, really cool that you, you know, dig in, you know, are you willing to read the book? So well said, I really or like that. I answered. We're in What's a digital that? world. We're in a digital yeah. world. Are you willing to double click? I mean, this isn't about reading every single chapter, but are you willing to go beyond? And so April, do you believe that you can judge a book by its cover? I think that uh, yes and no. Mm. Um, that is a that is a challenging question. I I I, I believe. And so if somebody were to ask me that, it, it there's just so many aspects. I find myself once I've judged someone, because I believe we all judge. I we think do. it's it's an automatic response based on how we have um, based on our experiences in life, what we've been taught, our belief systems. And so as far as for me, you know, I, I come from law enforcement. So I was trained to really judge someone and like, they want to say that, you know, you shouldn't. Um, but that's not true. You have to, and you have to, because it's, it's a matter of safety. And so, yes, we absolutely have to make sure that we're aware of, you know, how people are showing up, what they look like, how they're holding themselves, you know, where they're putting their body language and, you know, how to read them in their speech and communication. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's really a two-way street. And I think that you can make a, a fairly good judgment on character initially. And like I was going to say before, I have found myself a few times where I have judged incorrectly. And then once I started digging into that book, I have learned some different things and it gives me a different perspective. And really, it always stems that perspective is, oh, they show up this way because of their past experiences. You know, I, there's two things I love about what you're saying is if we can switch that judgment, because that's such a, that's such a reflective work back on ourselves. What if we took that first cover as a data collection, just, just information. Yeah. And so, and we can still have good intentions to go beneath that, that, that double click that next layer. But you're right. The brain is going to have quick assessments. We're the ones that make it mean something by saying it's judgment. A quick assessment or quick access to information, that is just processing speed. Judgment is when we start having feelings about that information. And good intentions is when we try to seek to understand more. So yeah. The other thing I'm going to tell you from a from a journalist training, I want to from whenever somebody asks you a provocative question like that. I think it's a fascinating signal. Ask it back to them because I love that you prompted me on that and made me think about something differently. And it's also something I do in my own curiosity and seeking to understand other people. Usually when, when somebody's asking something like that, and so often we just go into responding, we don't absorb, listen, and reflect back. So thank mm. you for answering that back. It gave me a lot of extra perspective to my own answer. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And really what, what made me think to ask that question was, you know, your story in Amazon and, and having that experience with really not having a lot and feeling this lack in life. And then 
having to come out of that and rise above, you know, obviously now with all of your endeavors, you're, you're showing up so miraculously in the world and affecting so many people's lives through change and positivity and your podcast. And so, you know, really that's where I wanted to go was judging this book by this cover at this point in their life. And then when somebody makes this change and this flip and, and changes the words that are coming in the four, you know, the coming chapters, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and I think too, we've talked a little bit about how the world's changed multiple times. One of the opportunities is to focus less on those shiny covers. I feel like there's such um, beautiful opportunity right now in showing the messy middle Um, uh, I'm always quick to say we teach what we most need to learn. So if I'm coming in for productivity or habits or communication, it's because I'm a student of it, not an expert on it. And there's something comforting about the fact that I worked in Amazon, right? Like where everybody gets the books. And I was like, nobody wrote the book on how to have an effective life during COVID doesn't exist. Everybody spoiler. And what's beautiful about that is we all get to wipe it away. We can stop being like, well, April's got everything figured out, but I don't. And um, and I love the fact that we are all emerging in the middle of oh, a revolution. I love that. Yeah, there, it's it's a beautiful area that we can stand together instead of somebody standing above or ahead. Yeah, and I think you're a hundred percent right. I think I think the really great thing that has come out of COVID and like your I love your word choices, emerging and evolution, because you know, so many people have experienced this trauma, the world trauma. And the way that a lot of us are choosing to come out and express ourselves is raw. Um, you know, just for instance, me doing this show, this is live. So yeah. it, it it puts me and and my guests in this vulnerable position of if if you think that you're messing up, you know, you just have to move through that. And it and it doesn't matter. And just hope and rely on your charm is gonna appease the masses and they're cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, there's so much uh growth. And I've talked a lot about you know, with my guests that I've had, because a lot of them are speakers, but just the transformation that people experience when they start telling their story and they step onto a stage. Mm. There's so much there. It's, it's, but your point about being live, you, you made a decision to say, I'm going to be accessible. And part of being accessible is being vulnerable in life by the way, is live. All this scrolling on our phone and everything that we we allow to somehow impact how we feel, it's like that's that's curated. Um, mm. there's there's nothing polished in the minutes and the moments that matter. And I feel like more than ever, that was my point about they're not being the experts anymore. We get to just kind of show up. I spent years and years at corporate and working on culture and writing all the beautiful things to attract people. And now it's like, we bring our whole very messy self mm. to how we're going to contribute. And so there's a much, especially with social reckoning and resistance, there's a lot more of just saying, I'm actually not okay. Mm. And there's a lot that is getting normalized about the fact that we don't have to be perfect in the daylight yeah. hours. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's definitely becoming more of a hot topic, at least in my world. And I love that. I think it's so healing. And, and we really are, uh, as you know, a species coming into this transformation and this shift in realizing that. And I feel like the more of us that are, you know, willing to take the, the forefront of this, uh, you know, we just inspire and lead others into being able to do that themselves. So yeah. excellent conversation. I knew that we would not have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> we have great conversations. We're going to go to another commercial. And um, when we come back, I, I would love to go back to you, you know, you and your son and how that has really shifted you and started your journey on researching different things. Okay. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. CTR Media Network is now accepting new podcasters to join our growing network that's reaching 350 million global listeners. Have you heard? CTR Media Network offers podcast production, podcast training, distribution, and product placement. Book us for your next event or schedule an interview with CTR Media Network podcasters today. To learn more, go to ctrmedianetwork.com. Welcome back. So Kristen, I, I would really love to know what was your aha moment in regards to your son when you decided to focus on human potential? Um, so I have two sons, but my oldest son, Zachary, when he was, we were getting ready to move uh, for, I got this fantastic opportunity to move to the West coast, which is where I live now to work in dot coms and um, this beautiful, big kind of dream job. And he was early in preschool. So he was three ish. And we, we knew, we knew that there was some challenges there. And, and then we had this newborn. So his brother, they're, they're um, two years apart and getting ready to go and do this. And we go into the um, preschool where several people sat across from us and said, we, it looks like your son is on the autism spectrum. Now I'm a journalist. I'm a researcher. Like I'll, I'll dig into that, but you want to know the aha moment. It's um, for me, the transcendental moments are the ones where I feel it rise up in me of like, no. And so in that moment I could accept the information, right? It, it went with my instincts, um, but they slid Oh my gosh, April, they slid a photocopied piece of paper, one-sided across the table and said, 
this is what your son's life will be like. He's three. Mm-hmm. And here's everything that he won't be able to do. I mean, if oh. you want to piss me off, tell me something that can't be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember I didn't even read the paper. I just looked at the paper. You, you want to say an aha moment? I remember that moment being like, I fundamentally reject this. Yeah. Now, now, psychologists could say that's that's a path to denial, Kristen, which could be the <laughs> that moment. I glanced down at the paper and I said, wait, have you have you met my son? And they were like, no, but this is autism. This is mm. 2006. This is autism. Like like all of autism fits on one piece of paper. And um, right. I glanced down at it and it said, we'll never be able to say I love you. And I was like, oh, geez, no. And yeah. it was one of those moments where and I talked about it earlier, where you just feel it rise up in your belly and you feel mm-hmm. like this is, this is not true. This is not the end of the story. And maybe I'm not in control of writing the story anymore, because let's just be clear that control is something <laughs> you have to release. Right. I may not be in control of the story and I reject the cover of this. I'm going to read the book. Actually, I'm going to read a lot of books and I will get educated, but I will not accept at three years old that that's what his life is going to be like. And so um, was that an aha moment or was that a screw you moment? Um, Uh, That was that was both. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just and it's not to say that there aren't realities that you need to accept in situations and limitations. I am not trying to discredit. Um, any of those individuals who were leading with information, leading with data, mm-hmm. but your point about where do you look at human potential? It's um, human potential can't be photocopied. Yeah. So. Yeah. Beautifully said. Human potential can't be photocopied. <laughs> it doesn't fit on a single page. No, no. And, and there's so many more, uh, more, places to where you can find data. It's not just one source. And, and so that's what you did. You, you started researching and reading books and, you know, focusing on human potential. Tell me what were some of the findings that you found? Well, so getting into the science of it, um, not much was known about the autism spectrum, I would say, even even still. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be true. You could insert pretty much a lot of different um, conditions or elements or obstacles in there. You could say that with mental health. You could say it with depression. Yeah. You could say it with um, biases. There's a lot. Yeah. But early on, I was like, well, I, I understand that there, and of course, there was no known origin, nor is there really for a lot of conditions. Right. Um, and the more I read, the less I knew. That's because how, that's oh. how ambiguous it was. Yeah. And I was, so then I started trying to go to science because science is supposed to be that um, black and white. And science really just kind of showed the potential of the brain, because I loved your word potential earlier. And I started learning about neuroplasticity and the fact that a brain can actually change everything from um, physical components to trauma, to diseases, to potential. And the more I got into that, I thought I was studying it for my parenting perspective, but I started noticing how it played into my corporate polished world and then you got into the psychology and the the cause and effects 
And it really brought forward a different element of um, absorbing and reacting to situations. And, and I'm happy to say almost 20 years later, he says, I love you all the time. And so oh. not accepting, well, not all the time. He is still a teenager, but not <laughs> accepting those universal truths that actually yeah. don't exist in your own universe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I am so, I just have to give you some uh, acclimates for really showing up that way as a parent. And I feel like I would have done the exact same thing um, because I, I know that of myself because I did that with my own disease. And, uh, you know, they, they said one thing and this is how it's going to be. And it didn't turn out to be the truth and I wouldn't accept it. And so I, I think that's really cool. And I think that's where people truly do uh, change the course of a, a so-called um, history. So yeah. uh, thank you for that story and, and sharing that. Can you go in a little bit about, uh, you know, going back into some, some of the science that you found what what are some of the key points and key factors that that you use now today in your work with sharing? So a large component, and this would have been true of studying communications and best practices and linguistics and, and influencing and marketing and sales, right? It's just kind of all tied in there together. Um, the root of what has helped so much is intention versus impact. Mm. So we can be creating our story and assembling it in a way and delivering it in the best of what we believe uh, it can be received. That is our intention. And the impact of how it is on the other side, that's not in our control. And so holding space to learn in that moment from when you release communication, influence, marketing, anything to, to how it's received. So are they buying what you're selling? But at the same time, it's to say, was I creating that story for me or for my book cover back to our element, or was I creating it for them? So an intention and an impact I could, so I'll give you an example back to my son in the beginning. Uh, a lot of nuance and sarcasm was lost on my son. I'm not going to say all people on the spectrum, mm -hmm. but he, he would say, I don't, or synonyms or, right. uh, or if I was only half listening to him. So my intention is to be available, but I'm also busy. He would say, did you hear my talk? Which, and I would, I would have to stop and be like, you know, buddy, I, I didn't, can you give me your words again? And it was kind of that accountability because did I receive them? Um, so intention can, it's an awareness, not an excuse. I think a lot of people hide behind that with diversity and, and, um, equity. Um, mm. well, that was my intention or I was just joking or that I was being sarcastic, mm. um, versus the impact, especially if you get into multilingual, I've worked in very large global companies. I've taught and traveled. I've been to five of the seven continents. Um, when you stand literally in somebody else's space on earth you really start to appreciate intention and impact differently. Of um, So those are just subtle nuances, but it, it changes that. 
Man, that is really, really cool, Kristen, how much your son has taught you. And, you know, my mind, I am a parent as well. And I think, well, isn't you half listening to your child just normal as being a parent? <laughs> I'm not saying I've cured myself of that, April. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but but he has truly just given you such, such a, a beautiful lesson and teaching you how to show up. And, um, I, I didn't learn that lesson until something a little more dramatic happened, which is the same in your case. You know, this is a, this is an issue that your son faces. And so it shows up to you differently, or at least it shows up at all to like really understand the, the power of being present. And so I have also learned this recently with my children where I wasn't always that way. Of course, as a parent, I think it is totally natural, you know, where you're just like, you, you know, you just don't have your full attention because you're so busy with life in general and all the noise of the rest of the world and trying to get everything done as a parent. Um, but there's so much power in that to just slow down and be with somebody, whether it's, you know, your children, your spouse, your family, your friends, or even yourself. So that is, that's really beautiful. And I wanted to let you know that, um, we're going to go to a commercial and when we come back, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about goals. Cause I know that's another, one of your passionate topics is goal setting and being able to, you know, save some time. Okay. Hello everyone, I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I am encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. After Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. -on -one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding and your banners and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? 
They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, coming back, Kristen, uh, let's talk about one of your greatest specialties, and that is goals and, you know, about setting and accomplishing them and why so many people have difficulty with that. Uh, because we were trained to do everything perfectly all the time. And that's the only way you get the brass ring at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> we're fed that constantly. It's uh, I call it the Costco effect. If one is good, 27 is great. Mm. And uh, I, I say this as a, mm. a recovering perfectionist coming out of it. It's um, and let's go back to the brain because there's a whole system to why we procrastinate and why we have these habits that we berate ourselves for. And it's when we get so overwhelmed, especially if you find yourself saying I'm busy or you're feeling that busy a lot, yeah. it really is usually code for, for overwhelmed. And so we'll procrastinate because we just want to go do something, anything that we can make progress on or finish, even if it's like unloading the dishwasher, because when we get overwhelmed over here, we tend to come over here to see can, can something, anything help me. And that's how we can get into really understanding not just goals, but our habits and our ridiculously small steps that can happen in between them. I love that. I, I'm going to just highlight that one more time, Kristen. You said that busy is code for overwhelm. And, you know, that that makes so much sense and puts it into perspective. You don't hear passionate people tell you how busy they are. Right? And you can't mm. outwork someone who is passionate about something because they want to. One of the things when I was first testing if I was going to become an entrepreneur, it was like, what's that thing? That thing you think about, that thing you read about, you research on, what's the thing that you would do for free? That's mm. your thing. And so that's passion. So even if I like having this conversation, like we can and we would go for hours. It's more of that when we start saying we're busy. When we start say, and, and signaling that and, and telling that to ourselves, that's just saying, I can't keep above water much longer. That's an SOS. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you then, you know, now that um, we've talked about that a little bit and that's, that's a great perspective, but 
when, when you hear somebody say that you're saying it's an SOS, how do you respond to people? If at all? Oh, <laughs> well, I think when, when somebody's telling you they're busy, you kind of need them to invite you into the conversation because the last thing a busy person wants is unsolicited advice. So, you know, beware which road you're crossing. Um, part of why I, I put forward on my podcast is called Fewer Things Better. As I said earlier, we teach what we need to learn. So it comes from a place of recognition. And then it also comes from an acknowledgement and a liberation of saying, if you find yourself distracted when you walk into the next room, if you feel like you can't, if you're constantly sending yourself an email to remind yourself, or you open one more browser window, or you can't even take a shower or check the mail without being like, I got to remember that thing. That is your brain sending us an SOS. And so bringing that forward, it's first understanding the hardware and software that your brain is just trying, it's just trying to help you. But we tend to then be critical of those. Oh, I'm so forgetful. I should be better at habits. And we then use words, which is our psychology, mm. to criticize what our brain is just, your brain just got up and went to work. So right. when, back to your question, when somebody says, I'm so busy, um, and I was going to say this earlier in our conversation too, sometimes the best gift we can give to other people is space. So as a journalist, we were taught always wait five seconds after somebody finishes speaking. Now that's, that's also so that people will fill the space and they'll be more authentic. Yeah. In modern times, when, when you said, what, what would you do to somebody who is busy? I would actually talk less to them and just say, say, say more about that. Like April, tell me, tell me more about what you mean. I think of it, it's like the little hover over button. Um, because you said earlier too, it's such a noisy world mm -hmm. that when somebody offers you space, this, it's probably the first time you even allowed the din behind us to turn down a little bit. And nobody asks how we are. We're just, oh, you think you're busy? Oh, girl, let me tell you about my. And it's just uh -huh. this competition of overachievement Olympics where nobody gets a medal. Um, so I don't offer. <laughs> I, I built something over here. And if you want to come to a mental recess and just be with other people who are like, I'm a hot mess. I don't have to figure <laughs> it out. There, there's plenty of rooms and there's snacks. That's kind of how I see it. Oh, that's cool. So, so it's such a compassionate, you know, way to, to, to do that and say that and deal with that. Um, I didn't want to say deal with that, but it is, really, yeah, it is. Even in doing my podcast, I made sure that they're all 10 minutes and less because it's like, if I had time to read the book, I would have, and we're really <laughs> yeah. smart people. We're really smart. And so it's like, I get it. I get it. I mean, we've all sat through that thing. We're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I said earlier snacks and I, I actually meant physical snacks because I love them, but also brain snacks. What if we just were able to give each other little tidbits of information and support instead of being like, here's an hour long soliloquy on why I'm so important and busy. So I think sometimes the best thing we can do is to do less things. Oh, yeah. And tell me a little bit about um, some examples of brain snacks. Yeah. I love that term. 
Yeah, well, it just, it feels so much more palatable. Somebody's going to sign up for a snack before they're like, I don't need the buffet. I would just like to, or can I see the menu before I come into your store? It's okay. You talk about covers of books of, of just being like, listen, this is kind of the mental menu that I have to offer. Um, but I think the other space of it too is the, the conversation of it. And so back to brain snacks, it's like, just try this on. It may or may not relate to you, or you may have already tried it, but it's just that component of let your brain savor in it. We never have time to marinate anything. <laughs> we just pull on a whole bunch of Chick-fil-A sauce and off we go. And there's that, that beauty of, of resonance, but also in just being like, I feel seen. And mm -hmm. anyone who, like one of the slides I usually put up when I, it's, it's like all those little red dots, you know, the red dots on our phones and it's just that the, the oh itchiness God. of the brain, but it's also just being like, yeah, I got that too. Yeah. I have that thing too. I saw you cringe when I said you send notes to yourself and you do the open the browser windows. You were like, uh, um, Oh yeah. Well, Kristen, this is because I'm there. You were oh, explaining no. me. So we, I <laughs> we, we all have our same flavors of, and, um, within that space. So, but bringing for the science or even the biology, one of the things I teach in my productivity classes is around chronobiology. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm an early bird. Like uh, I'll get up and go, I don't drink coffee. I just wake up caffeinated. I'm super annoying. Right. Um, my partner, he's a night owl. And so there's uh, also you and your, yeah. Tell me more because this is also a similar Situation I'm in. You're like, tell me more. I need to take some notes. Um, but there's all, well, and I'll also go back to my son. As parents, sometimes we're like, okay, when you get home, you got to do your homework, or we we prescribe have tos based on where we're coming from. And mm. so when you understand the brain and the habits better, it's to say what I learned for my son is he needs uh, some blood sugar. So it's biology, it's the brain, it's yeah. chemistry, right? Yeah. And so when he would have that break, he needed that decompression and he needed some calories, then his brain could bounce back and he could yeah. go into more work. So, but learning different people's time versus this is how I did it. So my partner, um, one of the things in learning chronobiology, it's not about this is the, this is the right time to work out. It's about when are you more inclined to do it easier and with some less effort required, less rev on the engine. Mm. And, um, mm -hmm. Oh, that makes, yeah. You know, if you don't change that oil, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all of our, our electric vehicle friends are like, what, what's oil? What, what uh, oil? <laughs> understand that's the hardware and software that doesn't mean that you and I can't do something I'm assuming you're an early bird I yes I'm an early bird and the partner is not he is the complete opposite like in drastic ways <laughs> yes I am living that life um and but part of when we understand it it's not a right or wrong that's like saying no right-handed yeah. right just, it's, once we understand so first of all it's just information and acknowledgement. And then second, it's like, oh, what's, what's our adaptability? That mm -hmm. doesn't mean you and I as early birds can't do something at eight, nine o'clock at night. We're all adaptive humans. It just means we would prefer, or it would be easier, meaning we could do it quicker with less effort yes. um, at different times and, and vice versa. I, well, I always give a lot of recognition to night owls 
because they live in an early bird dominated world, academia, corporate yeah. professions. And science has shown, take this, take this to your husband tonight. Science has shown that night owls have extended levels of focus because they've had to be cognitively ambidextrous. So, okay. Yeah. They can likely concentrate longer or be a little bit more fluid. Whereas I'm more likely to be like, it's after 6 p.m. I'm exhausted. Like I turned into a hole because right? I live in a yeah. world that's more dominant, right? But so there's those elements. But when you learn the science of it and then you can understand your own wiring, then it's you get out of your way and just saying, I just taught this a couple weeks ago to a client, this whole group. And now they talk to each other in this shared language and they've changed some of their meeting times. They're able to be like, and it's liberating when we consider about being messy and being live of just being like, this, this actually isn't my natural preference. Are you willing to accommodate? And I'll do the same. Like mm. what, a, what a revolutionary concept. Uh, yeah, I, that's a really great advice. Are you willing to accommodate? So this is, this is my patterns and what, you know, how I work best. I I'm more optimal you know, at these times. And uh, are you willing to accommodate? I love that language and being able to communicate with others, you know, whether it's our partners or teams yeah. or what have you. Yeah. And, and it's it's giving that permission to actually have an opinion on the way that your day is spent. Just because somebody's giving you a paycheck doesn't mean that you don't get to have a vote in some of that, or at least the idea for it. Yeah. Well, and allowing yourself to, you know, acknowledge and uh, know how how you do show up best. And then that's okay because it's okay that we don't always, you know, show up the same because it's just not how it works. We're all so different. And so I think that really pinpoints some individuality and being able to um, be yourself. Well, and be your best self or, or a better version of yourself. <laughs> so, and it's, but we have to understand that first so that we can advocate for it and so that we can see it and recognize it in others and being able to be like, oh, maybe, maybe my son doesn't have to do his homework or we don't mm. have to have breakfast at this time just because it says in the clock if our body like it goes into all sorts of elements of like oh yeah societal standards it doesn't mean you have to i think one of the best things we can give each other is multiple choice ah we're all so true false and that's what i hope that we can bring out of this post-pandemic world of like uh this is where i'm at what what support do you need or what what would be best for you yeah. Uh, well, okay. So we'll, we'll shift a little bit based on our time, but those are all such incredible things. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Um, I want to move in first because I love when my guests answer these questions and it's a question I asked about, um, sharing a fun fact or a hobby, fun food bucket list or something unique. And you shared, I climbed a volcano which is fascinating to me. You've ran three half marathons. You've been to five of the seven continents. That's incredible. I love that, uh, especially because I, I would I, I aspire to be a world traveler. And you've jumped out of an airplane not once but twice. I gave you all the high adrenaline stuff. It wasn't like, and then I laid on my couch and ate 
chips from Trader Joe's. Like, well, yeah, but those, those are the things we remember <laughs> the most. You know, it's those experiences that we never forget. And you know, when people talk about, um, you know, what 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 should I spend my money on, you know, or what have you, or what should I do with my time? I I always like to say, do an experience. You know, spend your money on something that you're not going to forget. You're going to remember for the rest of your life that's going to, you know, take you out of your skin, you know, and something that scares you. So those are all really cool, wonderful things. And I, I would assume that you probably recommend that to others. Well, if that's a value to them, right? For for me, you're absolutely right. Not only are we early birds, but we're also experienced people. I always say there's there's nothing that can go in a box that I really like want or need, but give me a great meal, give me a trip, give me just time, give me a yeah, I'm an experiential person. Other people have a different value system and and that's also part of recognizing what is it. I often find too super super random, but Pay attention to how people give you things. How are they recognizing you? What do they do on your birthday? Because what typically psychologically, what they're doing for you is what they want done for them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. And would you say also maybe, because this is a popular term, but like their love language. For sure. And but that's a conversation, not an observation. You can't be like, oh, April told, oh, April has flowers there. So she wants flowers for her birthday. Like that's just Kristen yeah. having lazy math, right? right. <laughs> Versus um, what did April do for my birthday? And now that we know that we're what Taurus is, total side note. But what did April or somebody in your life is a Taurus? But what did she do for my birthday? Because we mm -hmm. signal all day long. If you want to go back to the brain and psychology, yeah. we signal all day long how we want we can call it a love language, but it goes back to our, is the other person listening or is the other person waiting to talk or waiting to give you their signal? So yeah. I, I don't ever try to put out a template and say, this is what you should do. And are you observing how other people are giving you signals? You'll learn so much yeah. from that, which is also another journalist trick. Pay attention to all the signals because they're telling you the story, not just from their words. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, again, going back to, I feel like you really saw that with, with the teachings from your son, you know, and having to be observant to his needs and his wants. And, you know, as a parent in general, we, we have to do that because they rely solely on us and we have to listen to those cues of what they need when they're very young. But, uh, such a great, idea to think about that as adults too. And I think it's easy for us to not do that and, and be like, oh, well, we're to each his own, you know, and, and not really pay attention to and observe, you know, how people are responding to us. So very cool. I want to jump into uh, a little photo album. Oh, so goodness. let's bring this up on the screen <laughs> and share a little bit about some, some inside stuff. Look at that audience. What is that? This is over 100 people, I'd say. Is oh, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was at Microsoft. I got to, I, I've, I've been able to be a public speaker for a long, long time, but I got to MC an entire event at Microsoft. And this is at the end. So nobody's looking their best. But it's, <laughs> um, but it, it's also, you said earlier, the world's coming back. We're getting in rooms together again. And there's just such a excitement to be able to to learn from each other in a way and it's such a privilege for me to the work that I do to be in rooms where people gather and so that was that was a really fun day 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I agree with that, you know, the energy that is now, um, brought up and expressed between people now, you know, coming out of that shell that we were, had to be in for so long. Exactly. We're ready for each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this is a, this is a beautiful picture of you. I just love that I have bare feet. Like, uh, I love that I go to a photo shoot April and I'm like, can I take off my shoes? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if that wasn't planned, you know, you know, I, what I love about that is that's really just being you and being authentic <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. And then this is, this is oh, the, the boys. These are my babies. So yeah. I think, I mentioned I've been able to be a speaker for, for, for many, many years. And this was uh, an early, I was, um, I got to speak at Disney world and bring my kids with me. It was just one of those. Oh, cool. It was a really cool what parent doesn't want that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Can I, I, there, I have nothing to complain about. And just that my dudes could come and he's pointing at my badge and it was just, um, it's a, it's awesome. It's awesome that they've been able to see me. Oh, uh, mom. And then the greatest teachers. That's really cool. And then this is a great photo too. Tell me about this one. Well, I have my shoes on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so clear, clearly I was a lot more professional this day. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I did, and it's not one of these photos that you have, it's, um, but the day, the, the day I got that parking ticket, it might have actually been the next day, but I went and did uh, a photo shoot. It wasn't this photo, but it was another one. Um, it's on my my website, the homepage, because I wanted photos not just from my time being representing other brands. Mm. So, like that picture with my sons, I was speaking on behalf of. I worked at a very um, public company, but I wanted to do a photo shoot and have pictures taken of me when I was in business for myself. So the Pay, yeah. The photo on my homepage is from the day after I got that parking ticket, but where it was like, I'm, I'm in the business of me and yeah. that was important. And this was a photo shoot from, um, uh, just probably gosh, not even a year ago, but same thing of like, when you are in your element, like you are now with the wellness driven life, it's, it feels different. You show up different in pictures. You are, yeah, you you're, you're shining out loud. Oh, that is, that is really cool. How you describe that you're shiny and, uh, you do show up differently when you're in your element. And I can say that, you know, absolutely from my experience, when you're, you're in your element and you're doing what you're passionate for and, you know, being on a great photo shoot, especially with somebody who you know, makes you feel comfortable and directs you well, you know, and just is fun about it. I, I have some of my favorite photographs from that. And, and you can definitely tell the difference, you know, historically yeah. when you look at photos. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to shine some light a little bit about this awesome podcast because this is your oh, new you. passion, is it not? It is. It is. It's so, so having always been a, a writer, literally from print, and I, I was a magazine editor for a while, and I um, worked for the Chicago Daily Newspapers, and so everything was about the written word. And even when I went into corporate, it was writing on behalf of others. And then, of course, I, I was a speechwriter, and I helped other people 
speak on stages and then I've spoken on stages, but going into podcasting, <laughs> it's kind of like, like everybody else has a podcast. Um, what I loved about it was that it took a talent of words, but it switched up the medium and it back to the brain. It completely, well, first of all, it, it eliminates the, the book by a cover because nobody's seen you. So when you take yeah. the audio and again, back to the brain, the brain receives visuals and audio fundamentally different than typography from anything written. And it sticks longer if you see a visual or if you hear something, it sticks longer than if you saw it written or read it on a screen. Mm. So it, it challenged me as somebody who's, who's spent a lot of time in words to have a different relationship with words. And it liberated it too, because it was literally just the voice. So you didn't have to get into the, how it was laid out, what it looked like, what I look like, et cetera. Um, and then doing a forcing function of 10 minutes or less really gets into um, what's, what's the most important, what's the next, next. And yeah. that gets away from somebody like myself who can do words. <laughs> We've been talking for an hour. I would keep going, but it really brings it forward to saying um, what's the most important headline and highlight from this. So there's a lot there that really has become a discipline for me. It's like going to a gym and working on fundamentally different equipment. So mm, absolutely. Uh, and me too, I can attest to I that. It's, it is a discipline in showing up and doing it and making sure that you really highlight the important aspects, you know, because you want to be able to give that value content to your audience and to the yeah. world and, and share all of the great things that you know, and that other people know. So that's very cool. People can find your podcast unlockthebrain.com slash podcast. It's very exciting. And I love that you kept them short too, you know, because I think with our attention spans, unlike my show, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's giving some quick, really good, powerful content that people can apply. You know, I think that's the yeah. greatest thing, you know, people can really take this this information and this tips and tricks and apply them in their own lives or in their businesses for whether it's professional or, or what have you or personal. Yeah. And so thank you for giving that to the world. Thank you for being here on the wellness driven life show. Is there anything else that you would love to share with our audience today? I just love, so I want to actually share something with you and in essence, share it back to them. So um, you said, unlike this show, right? And I, the best gift I want to give to all of you is, is the ampersand, the and. So the podcast, 10 minutes, or that's, that's a medium. It's called Fewer Things Better. That's exactly what it's intended for. And it's not unlike your show. It's an addition to your show. Mm. So we tend to do that, that comparative, that either or true false. And so yours, your channel, your medium, your gift that you're giving here is that people can join a dialogue. It's real live interaction that they get to hop into. And podcasts, they get to take and have on demand. And it, it, there's something very intimate about your words being in somebody's ears. And so yes. that's an intimacy from the podcast. What you're doing here is an intimacy of saying, you could very easily talk to all these interesting, amazing people and have that be for you, the library of April, 
What I want to reflect to you and then give to others is when you allow yourself to be live, to be unedited, and to be vulnerable, you're giving others the same experience and you're you're holding the doors open in the elevator. And <laughs> I love the and that you're doing and the fact that you're doing it. So thank you. Oh, geez. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Unexpected. And I, and I love when things are unexpected. So, um, wonderful. Thank you. Made me blush. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Kristen. Well, I, I want to share with our audience that I always leave all of the information in the description and, you know, as you the audience continues to build, make sure you join the live sessions because when you leave the comments, you get to interact with us and engage with us and our beautiful guests can interact with you. And if you're just so happening to watch the replay, then go ahead and leave those comments anyway. If you have questions, then we're going to respond in the future. And I want to make sure everybody knows that the Wellness Driven Life Show is here based on your incredible donations and contributions. We wouldn't be here without it. And so please donate, you know, once, twice, annually, weekly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big or small. It helps contribute to the show where we can bring guests. And when you donate on our website, www.thewellnessdrivenlifeshow.com, you will receive an incredible email follow-up and you can keep that for your records. So I love it. Thank you, Kristen, for being on the thank Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank it was you. such a great experience. You shine so bright in the world with all the things that you're doing. And you have so many great messages to share. So thank you again. And I'm gonna say goodbye for now to everybody, and we will see you tomorrow.